welcome on in, everybody. It's another episode of Lunch with Klaibs and Joe here on ClaibsOnline.com. I'm Joe Roderick, joined alongside by Mike Clayboard. And uh, Klaibs, as you can see behind me, I am at Munganass St. Louis Acura here off of Manchester in St. Louis. And hey, you know who uh, whose birthday it is today? Jamie's. It is Jamie's. Jamie yeah. Burkhardt. Happy birthday, Jamie. Yeah, he's uh, he's not in today. He took the uh, he took the day off. But I just uh, I brought in ten pizzas from Bootleg and Barbecue to uh, to feed the sales staff here. And uh, Claves, it looked like the fifth inning of a Cardinal game when they put the hot dogs out in the press box. <laughs> I know how. Or <laughs> and uh, it's not a pleasant sight uh, when they roll out the food at the ballpark. You should see people. I won't even mention a couple of people who would take a hot dog and put it in a bag and take it home. <laughs> I won't even bring up some names from yesteryear, but I knew people who would do that. I was going to say, I feel like those would be some old, uh, older names uh, that you'd be, you'd be throwing under the bus for, uh, yeah, for something I'm, like I'm, that. I'm, I'm not going to go there. I did. I grabbed one just so I can have some little lunch here. So there you go. There's from uh from right. bootleg and barbecue. They got the new location coming up this spring over um in the Grove. Also the uh, bootleg and Bob's um there on Morgan Ford, and of course the pizzas which come from the uh from the Second Shift Brewing Company. It's bootleg and Third Gear is where you could find those over uh over there. So Claves, we got a lot to get to here today. This is um I, I guess I don't know when we're doing a show next week i don't know what the the schedule is next week because spring training is starting to wind down we were supposed to be playing games already by uh coming up here this week but the home opener the season opener is april 7th yesterday a familiar face uh returned to the cardinals after 10 plus years of being away as albert Pujols uh made his return to the club what was what was that like being there at the facility yesterday well it, it was different there's no doubt about that. It was different. And you think about uh, the history because no one ever really thought this was going to happen. And you and I talked about this a lot uh, over the last year or so where I didn't think it was going to work. And I don't know if it's going to work now. I, I will say this, though. He's in better shape now than he was when we saw him with the Dodgers. So maybe that might have something to do with him wanting to come back. But it was a, an electric atmosphere of anticipation. Because there's only three people in that clubhouse who know Albert, Yachty, Wayno, uh, are the only two guys who who played with him. There's some other guys who knew him from a distance, but you know nothing like what we're seeing now, where everybody I'm sure is going to start to gravitate to him. I mean, hell, he's older than some of the coaches. Yeah, Skip, I... Skip, Skip Schumacher is another guy in the clubhouse who would know him because they played together. But um, to your point, it's something that. I've never seen before in all the years I've been coming to spring training of a player similar to Albert's status has never walked in a Cardinal clubhouse in the middle of spring training like that. Yeah, I saw yesterday. Well, Ali Marmol was 14 years old when uh, when Albert made his major league debut with the Cardinals, and now he's going to manage him uh, this season. I've seen a lot written. I've seen a lot talked about of the Dodgers model, the Dodgers formula for how they used him last year and how he was effective with the Dodgers last year, only putting him in um, left-handed uh, against left-handed pitching, mostly uh, mostly pinch hitting roles, but occasionally starting at first base here with the Cardinals, he won't have to play first base. I mean, he really doesn't have to at all. I'm sure we'll see him a little bit 
get worked in at first base, maybe to give Goldschmidt a time at DH. But for the uh, for the most part this year, it's going to be lefty starters and lefty pinch hit rolls, right? No, I, I think you're going to see some right-handed matchups also. I, I think there are some guys that he might be able to hit well. Uh, a guy like look, Kyle Hendricks in Chicago, I think that's a guy that he might be able to hit well. Uh, because Albert's going to be a more patient hitter. You know, I, I don't know if he catches up to the high fastball anymore, but a guy who throws off-speed stuff, I think Albert might be able to do some damage. So I don't think they're going to limit his role just because it's a left-hander on the mound. I, I think they're going to look for matchups. And let's face it, in this day and age of analytics, there's a matchup, there's an analytic for everyone. There is a, a algorithm I'm sure they're putting together to make sure that he faces people that I he think we lost Clay had- there for a uh, second. There we go. Uh, okay. A little bit of connection issues. Yeah. This, uh, this morning, let me ask you this clips. You're, you have, you have worked contracts for, for, for uh, professional athletes in the past. One thing that jumped out at me, uh, seeing the details of the contract posted by John Heyman the other day is a performance bonus. If he wins the gold glove this year. We know that he's going to be DHing and pinch hitting this year. Why is that something that an agent would throw into a contract? Agents throw things like that in contracts all the time. Uh, I once had a contract uh, at a previous radio station that I, I would be awarded a hundred thousand dollars if I was the league's most valuable player. Uh, <laughs> I've got a contract, and, and I still have—I don't have it with me—that Larry Plo, former general manager of the Blues saw me at a fantasy camp and was having fun. He said, hey, you know, I've been watching you and we, we want to make you an offer. So I still have the legitimate contract that I think I was getting a million the first year, two million to say. It, it's hilarious, but people do that all the time. I'm not sure it's if just that's not his, something. Uh, uh Wi-Fi or if it's mine. It's yours. We're, uh, we're... It's yours. It's yours. on uh my end or yeah your it's end. on your end is it on, on my end? end yeah okay we'll uh we'll get it all figured out as we uh as we go on here with this so let me ask you this though Klaibs. one of the big things with uh with signing albert is the fact that if things don't work out they're gonna have to or they might have to cut ties with them is that something that dewitz and john mosaic are ready to do i don't think that's gonna happen under any circumstance um first of all it's a one-year deal Secondly, it's two and a half million dollars. Thirdly, I don't know if there there were there weren't any other options out there when they made this deal, and somebody else would go before Albert. I, I just don't see that happening. It, it, it's it's one year. I mean, hey, if you can carry Matt Carpenter for three years under uh, underperforming, then surely you can take one of the greatest right-handed hitters of our lifetime. You can carry him. And I guess the only person that would I pose the threat to that is if Albert's struggling so much and Juan Yepes is just tearing it up at AAA, right? No. Yepes had his chance, and he didn't perform. Uh, now, if Albert has an injury or something like that, then that's a whole different ballgame. You can IL him, and you know maybe that's how his career would end, being on the injury list. I think he's got too much pride for that. Uh, unless he is physically injured, uh, he won't walk away from this thing and Epes had his chance and, and he might get a chance at some point as I mentioned somebody might get hurt he might get a shot but right now I think it's going to be Albert's job uh, for the foreseeable future 
one of uh, now that we are, are a less or a little over a week away from opening day next uh, next Thursday, we know that the rosters are going to be uh, at 28 to start the season next week. So I think that does kind of take away from any of the questions that might have been posed about the uh, about what the roster construction might be, because adding Albert does take away one of those bats and probably it took away Lars Newtbar's bat from that 26 man opening day roster that probably adds Newtbar back onto opening day, right? Well, it's going to be 28. Yeah, that's what I'm saying because yeah. it's 28. I think yeah. Newtbar still makes that opening day roster until they drop it back down to 26. Probably. Yeah, you're probably right because Corey Dickerson is an accomplished defender. So, you know, and, and Newbar needs at bats, okay? Newbar was going to make this team by default, okay, because they didn't have another outfielder that was close to being ready, especially a left-handed bat. That's why I think he was being considered. But I feel like the end of the story, he still needs some work on his game. I mean, he hasn't really done a lot here in the spring, uh, but he brings energy to the ballpark. They like his development. Uh, he's not scared. So he's got some things that will give him a plus and certainly an opportunity to be back here should they make that roster decision. You know, they, they may drop a pitcher. You never know. I, I think there's a lot of scenarios that they're still weighing. And, and one of the things about the Cardinals that we've learned over the years, they, they do two things. They keep it close to the vest, but they also want to explore all the options that are out there and, and not overcommit uh, too soon. Do you still see there being conversations um, within that front office about adding pitching? Uh, we still know those arms are out there in Oakland. Um, and uh, Oakland is, they are not looking to compete this year. So those arms are available, you would imagine. Is there is there any option with, with them? I mean, Chris Archer just signed yesterday. Who, who are the starting five for this team going into next week? Um, Wainwright, Michaelis, Hudson. Mats, and I think you'll see a piggyback combination of Woodford and Verhagen. Yeah, um, there's a couple other guys that are that, that are going to get a long look, like Brooks. Uh, they like him, uh, so there's some people that are going to get a look. But I think that fifth start will be a combination of you do four, I'll do four, and we'll let the bullpen figure out how to carve up the last inning, or yeah. I'll do three. Uh, it just depends on who's built up most. Verhagen has been an interesting guy to watch. Uh, multiple pitches. He throw. He's a strike thrower. That's that's the one thing. And he, and he gave up two solo home runs early or last week, but they were in the strike zone. I mean, he's a guy, but he keeps the ball down. So I, I like what I see from him. Woodford hasn't done anything wrong. I think what they'll do is probably combine those two to give them a chance to stretch out uh, along with the fact it maybe gives the bullpen a day off where you don't have to use as many people to get outs. So that's where I think we're headed with that. The, the schedule in the month of April does not allow for you to skip starts. Like we right. have seen in previous years mm -hmm. where you, well, we got a four, you know, we can go four man rotation for the first right. three weeks of the season. That's, that's just not available. You know, Joe, I think you're going to see teams go six man. Uh, because nobody's built up. I mean, Max Scherzer might be, but everybody else is still trying to feel their way through it, and it's more psychological than it is anything else because these guys have been throwing uh, well before spring training started, at least most of them. So I think it's more mental in getting a feel for things and seeing real hitters. But 
I think you'll see more six man rotations for the, for the, at least the first two to three weeks. As you look around the rest of Major League Baseball, um, as we're as we're getting closer there, any other storylines jumping out at you to uh, to get the season underway? I'm anxious to see a lot of teams. There's a lot. Of, there's been a lot of movement in the offseason. A lot of teams have a different look, and when you look at who really helped themselves, I think that's the bigger question. We know the Dodgers helped themselves. Okay, I'm not sure what Minnesota's doing with Korea because that's it. Almost seems like a rental a $33 million rental. Uh, you got Atlanta. They're the world champions. You got a National League Eastern division where DeGrom and Scherzer are on the same team. So that's a handful right there. And then you got the world champions in that division. Philadelphia, we think, improved themselves. Uh, I know this Marlin bunch is better than what they were last year. So you got a lot of teams just in the National League. You look at the American League, other than Baltimore, the East division is a toss-up. You look at the West Coast and you look at Seattle. That's a team you better start paying attention to. I think also the Angels might have something to say. If they can just stay on course and find enough pitching, they can make themselves very interesting. When you think about Otani, Trout, Rendon in that lineup, you can throw some other guys in there as well, and they're going to be competitive. Uh, you look at some other teams around baseball, and the Central Division of the American League is going to be something to watch also. So I'm anxious to see how many changes took place and here, I think there's a couple of teams that may have taken a step back. I'm not sure if the White Sox have enough pitching. I, I know they did last year, but for some reason, it doesn't seem like it's meshing. Uh, they're going to be better, I think, offensively. But with Baez, we know one thing. He is truly a hit or miss guy. And when he misses, he misses a lot. So how he responds over the American League, it'll be interesting to see. But overall, I, I'm looking at this game as a whole as something that, I haven't done in a while. Well, you know, you got to really pay attention to these teams because there's been a lot of changes. The the difference between the NL Central and the NL East is so night and day because we've seen the deconstruction of all these teams in the NL Central. We've seen the Reds trade away all these guys. We've saw the, what the Cubs did last year, and then they really didn't go out and add anybody of of note this year. And we know the Pirates are going to be the Pirates. So, I mean, in the Central it's the Brewers and the Cardinals just kind of playing for that one, two spot for the playoffs. But then you have the NL East, you mentioned the Marlins, the Marlins aren't, you know, they're, they're not going to be setting the world on fire, but Don Mattingly's not down there as a charity job. I mean, he's, he's down there to, well, he took a pay cut. So he might as well be a charity <laughs> job. And then you, you know, you look at, yeah, you look at the, what the Phillies have done with that lineup. I mean, they're going to be hitting like a beer league softball team. The the Nationals with Soto and, and Nelson Cruz in the middle of that lineup. The Braves, as you mentioned, you know, you replace Freddie Freeman with Matt Olson there. And then the Mets with their ungodly payroll. I, that's, uh, that is five teams that are going to be really dangerous this year, just beating up on each other for 15, 17 games. Yeah, that, that's a good point you make. I, I want to go back to the central for a minute. Aside from the pirates, I still think Cincinnati can be a handful in their ballpark. Um, they've got some interesting players on that team and from what I've been able to gather, they're not far away. They got some kids that they've been developing that might be ready to step up and do some things come July or August, especially from a pitching perspective. The Cubs have a collection of players. Okay. They got Marcus Stroman and they brought in some other guys. They're more of a collection than a real threat. But 
they can they can be a problem for a three game series, and, and that's what you have to pay attention to more than anything else. You might need two out of three against one of those teams. You got to go to their place, and they may give you more problems than you thought they could. So, it, it could be a competitive division, but in most cases, talent wins out. Yeah, there, there's one kid on the Pirates I'm looking forward to watching, and if he, especially if he makes that opening day roster, that's O'Neill Cruz. Their uh, their young shortstop, who it's kind of you know they're they're on the fence right now where they're going to start him, whether it's AAA or the major leagues. And if he's you know he's one of your best twenty eight guys, he should be on the major league team. He should be starting opening day, but they might just hold off on that clock for a bit with him. I, I think you're right. I, I think they might hold off. Um, and I guess if I'm going to bring up a kid like that, I got to make sure there's a support system around him, and, and they don't really have a lot of. Uh, veteran players. I think you've got to ha- make sure that if you're going to bring him along, just like Key Brian Hayes last year, uh, he had some injury issues, and then there was the whisper that maybe he wasn't as committed as they thought he would be. I really think it comes down to making sure there's enough of a veteran presence to make sure he's brought up the right way. If not, then you know we're going to have a guy just you're going to be moving him in three years. So. I would hold off before I bring up a kid like that. And they got a couple other kids in their organization that are showing flashes of being very special. But again, they want to make sure they do it slowly. Um, and you touched on something starting the clock. I mean, Pittsburgh is, is it's unfortunate that they've decided to take this route uh, of being so, so cheap, just like Baltimore. I mean, it, it's unfortunate they do this uh, because fans deserve better. Yeah, they, they do. Uh, opening day next Thursday. It's April 7th uh, for the Cardinals and the Pirates there at Bush Stadium. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we have NCAA Final Four to talk about and some slew news that uh, kind of went under the radar yesterday right here on Lunch with Claves and Joe, powered by Ameren, Illinois, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura and sponsored by <coughs> HomeLoanExperts.com. And Klaibs were also uh, sponsored by your friends over at Poffick K9. I know you're uh, real excited to get back into town and see your uh, see your two dogs full time next week. Uh, after especially after all the work they've been doing at Poffick K9. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and I'm also looking forward to getting back out there with the guys from Poffick because uh, they love to do the refresher courses just to make sure everybody's on the same page and monitor how they've conducted themselves. So I'm looking forward to that as well. And if you have a dog or if you have your kid that has one or you're thinking about one and you want to make sure they're trained properly, you got to check them out. Go online, check them out on their website, make an appointment, go see for yourself what they can do for you and your dog. And I guarantee you, a well-disciplined dog is a great family dog, and you know they're fun to have. But you want to make sure you do it right, and Paul can do it for you. Back after this. The future of electric vehicles is beginning to grow across the Midwest, but there's a lot of work to be done before most people will feel comfortable switching from gas to EV. 
Amherst, Illinois President and Chairman Richard Mark gives us some insight into how they're preparing by adding more electric vehicle charging stations. Our vision is to basically have charging stations every 60 or miles or so, you know, from Cook County all the way to the tip of the state down to the Kentucky area mm -hmm. and then across the state east and west going toward Kansas and Iowa uh, to, the, to the west and going toward Indiana uh, uh, to the east. And so uh, we, we feel that uh, within the next few years we'll probably add, probably you know, we're hoping to add 60 to, to 70 a year over the next five years to really complete that infrastructure for the entire Midwest. In fact, uh, the Midwest now has all the utilities in the Midwest are joining together to coordinate that. So, uh, which is the first time it's ever happened that you've had Wisconsin say, okay, we're going to build our charging stations here and Illinois say, okay, well, we can tap on here in Missouri. This makes sense for us. So we can expand that north, south, east, and west by coordinating with other utilities. Back here on lunch with Klaibs and Joe, uh, uh, powered by Ameren, Illinois, driven by Munganat St. Louis Acura, where uh, where I am, right here on uh, on Manchester, here in St. Louis. Lots of baseball talk in the first segment, Klaibs. If you missed any of it, you can uh, go back and uh, and watch it all, or listen to the podcast that'll be up later on this afternoon. Wherever you find your podcast, see everything that we put up on Klaibs Online, uh, which included yesterday, Rammer and I did a daily cards live, which will be starting each. Ah. And every day, uh, starting next Thursday, bringing that back. Raymer and I bringing you Cardinal Talk each and every weekday right here on Klabes Online. We're doing the video thing again, too. So we're doing the video and the uh, and the audio podcast with uh, with that, with a few new features thrown in there, too, and some other uh, baseball uh, news notes. So we're going to have a whole lot of Cardinal coverage this year, Klabes, uh on Klabes Online. Looking forward to it. Uh, we, we will have some other announcements coming up here soon, hopefully. Uh, that will expand our baseball coverage. So uh, I would just suggest to everybody, if you want to get a little bit of Cardinal and some Major League Baseball, we're going to have all of it for you. I, I think we're going to have as much coverage as anybody in town. Klaibs, uh this past weekend we saw the Sweet 16 whittle down to the Final Four. They uh, Those games will be Saturday night with the championship game on Monday. And after all of the upsets, all of the great stories like St. Peter's making it to the Elite Eight, we get down to the Final Four. And uh, this is the, the the most blue blood Final Four that I can remember um, in, in history of the Final Four when you have Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, and, and Villanova, which... Do you consider Villanova to be a, a blue blood now? Yeah, I do. I, I think what Jay Wright's done there over the last, you know, 15 years has been remarkable. Uh, and, you know, Villanova used to be a legitimate power until they got caught cheating. This is well before you were, you were around. And it really set them back, and they never really recovered until recently. And they had to upgrade some things on their campus. Um, but Jay Wright came in and did a really good job in, in establishing some credibility. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think Villanova's in, in that next tier uh, and certainly knocking on the door. I think Villanova, Gonzaga, schools like that have been consistent enough that you have to consider them as part of that, that, that group that sits at the main table now. Oh, yeah, and on top of that, I mean, if you're going to throw Gonzaga into that mix, Villanova's actually won a championship. So True. they, uh, you know, they, they definitely, I think, get included 
into uh into that so it's you know it's it I know North Carolina is an eight seed making it all the way here, but having a final North four, Carolina though, it's, but having, yeah, having a final four game between Duke and North Carolina and you know, I mean, I, I would love to know what was going through the mind of coach K uh, Mike Krzyzewski as, as their, you know, the season, his career there at Duke is starting to wind down because I can't imagine that he was too thrilled about losing his final home game especially to North Carolina there at Cameron Indoor a few weeks ago. And now he gets a little bit of that redemption here. He gets a chance to kind of write that here in the, uh, in the final four. I, I agree with you. And I'm sure when the brackets, the 64 came out, I bet he looked at a coach and I bet he said to his players, we're going to see these guys again. And, really? and he just, yeah, I, I, I believe that uh, coaches like Krzyzewski and some of the great coaches, they have vision. They, they know how things can shake out. And they know that North Carolina is better than a whole lot of teams that they faced over the course of the year. And they had their numbers certainly at Cameron Indoor. And, I, and I'm sure when that bracket came out, I bet he circled that and said, we're going to see these guys again. What do you think ratings-wise we're going to be seeing this weekend out of these, uh, out of these games? <clears throat> you know, that, that's a good question. There's not much else going on. WrestleMania the, Saturday, by the way. Uh, WrestleMania Saturday night on okay. uh, that's night of one of two. So All don't right. uh, don't sit there and say nothing's going on. Well, I got news for you. Uh, WrestleMania is a great great product. Stone Cold Steve Austin's returning. It pales in comparison to the, what the tournament is about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will say this: the one thing that's going to be interesting here is where is the game going to be. Because we've been so used to, before CBS took it over, everybody always expected the games to be on ESPN the first rounds. And then they lost the rights to CBS, and CBS has been carrying them forever. And now CBS shares it with TBS. And while TBS has been one of the longest-standing cable outlets, there's still people who have a problem finding it or remembering it because we don't watch it as much as we used to. So if we can get everybody on the same channel, I think it's going to be a huge number. It's on huge. TBS. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, well, you know, and so yeah. some people don't find TBS like they used to. I mean, re- remember, think about it. The only time you would watch TBS if you were a sports fan is for the Braves and, and when they would carry the NBA. You had no other re- – or, or Matlock or one of the other syndicated <laughs> programs. So you really didn't have a reason to watch it. So now you've got the tournament there, and I'm good with it. I mean, I I like what they're doing, but I think overall it's easier to find an event like this on network TV compared to to cable, Uh, even though we're, what, 30 years, 30-plus years into cable now. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's one of the – see, so I'm I'm a Hulu TV guy, and that's uh, – so that's how I watch most. Cardinal games, I got to kind of go out and figure out different ways to use the Bally Sports app and and figure out what channel they're on for that. But it's weird with Hulu TV because it kind of knows it's one of those things where it knows what you're watching and it knows other things. So I'll just turn it on and it'll just say right there. It'll be like, hey, here's the basketball game. Do you want to watch it? And you just click on it. You have no idea what channel it's on until you see the, uh, the little logo up top. So I, I wonder how much of that is kind of taken away these days by some of those apps. Uh, I don't point. know. I don't know how YouTube TV works. 
Uh, but I know that's how Hulu Hulu works. But if you're you know if you're a direct TV guy, you just you know what station it is. Yeah, and and you know, we have so many different options now to watch events. Uh, and I don't know if there's a wrong answer. I, I think you get what's what you're comfortable with. So as you point out, people will be able to find it because of their, their viewing habits. And those who think it's still on CBS, then you know what? They really don't count because if you're really a fan, you already know where they're going. So uh, it, it shouldn't be that big of a problem. I don't know. You know, since we're talking about the um, uh, talking about this uh, TV rights for for stuff, I don't know if you saw. I mean, we we've talked recently about some of the TV movings that have been going on around uh, the NFL. I, I saw a report yesterday that there's going to be a couple games this season, a couple Monday nights this season, where Monday night football is going to have two games that are going to start about 15, 20 minutes apart from each other. So the half times and the end of the games, they're hoping to kind of stagger out a, uh, a bit. I know we don't get the schedule release until April or May, but that's uh, two games on a Monday night. That's, that might be a little much. It, I think you're right. Um, it kind of dilutes Sunday a little bit because you have to think about it. NBC is going to want a primo game. ESPN is going to want a primo game. And now, now, in some cases, too. And then you've got Fox and CBS saying, well, hey, what about us on Sunday? You know, we yeah. like to have a, a good one, too, at 3 o'clock. So, and I'm not sure if there are enough primo games to go around is what I'm saying. Yeah. So, the, the, I think the NFL has the issue of oversaturation uh, because, God bless them, but if I'm stuck watching Detroit and whomever, uh, Charlotte, I'm probably going to do something else. Okay. And, and, and I know some people say, I don't care who it is. I just love football. Okay. I get that. But I like watching good teams and good games. And I have no problem watching teams who are trying to make their way up the ladder. But if I'm saddled with that as 315, I'm probably going to do something else. They did announce Kevin Burkhart will be taking over the uh, the job, the role of Joe Buck as the number one Kevin. guy for Fox. So he'll be calling two of the next three Super Bowls. Uh, that's uh, that's a pretty big deal when you just get thrown right into the job. He he started off. Did he do Mets games back in the day? Yeah, you know I've known Kevin for years. Kevin was a sideline guy for the Mets. He and I would talk all the time, and and just found to be a delightful guy. We stay in touch, uh, not as much, but we do find a way to reach out and. Uh, I've I've watched him grow and he's done a really good job and I think he'll do a fine job for Fox. That's awesome. Hey, well, I missed this on the uh, the basketball talk, but yesterday, slew Javante Perkins announced he's going to come back next year. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, and here's why. Where was he going? This I, guy, you know what? He blew out a knee, and and so where where was he actually going next year? He could have done. I mean, he couldn't he have done transfer portal just to go to a you know because all the he guys he play. came up with I, that he could play. He'll be. I mean, I mean, it's been a year. It's an ACL injury. No, it's we, not. It hasn't been a full year yet. It will be by the time the season starts. Well, yeah, but my point being this, he still has work to do, and I don't know. And, and I think he's a good player, but some people have made it seem like they got to build a statue in front for him out in front of Schaefer's. And and while I think he he certainly can help, don't get me wrong, but I don't know what what options he had. I really don't know what you know. What I mean, yeah, he can go in a transfer portal and what sit on the bench until his knee is really ready. You know, I had a great conversation with Bob Ramsey about this uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact. And my thing is, and he agreed, 
we may not see the real Devontae Perkins until league play. And that's fine, but league play is going to be even more competitive than what he would have been accustomed to in playing who knows state. So while I'm happy he's here, uh, I just don't know what the other options really were on why we felt like, man, if he leaves and doesn't come back, what are we going to do now? Mm. I mean, this this is a win for him more than it is for Slew. And, Give me and your, uh, yep. So, yeah, I'm glad he's back, but I, I just didn't know what his other options were that were better than the one he was going to have staying at St. Louis University. Give me your uh, your predictions on the Final Four, UNC versus Duke, Nova versus uh, Kansas. Who's your championship game on Monday? Well, Kansas is going to be in the finals because I think Villanova's bench is too thin. And I know Jay Reich is a masterful coach, but they've had a couple of injuries. Yep. Uh, and I, I just don't know how deep they can go. So I think Kansas gets to the finals. Uh, the Carolina Duke thing is it, such a great story. You know, I've always leaned more toward Carolina than Duke. Uh, I'm reading a fascinating book about Mike Krzyzewski now. And as I told somebody the other day, if I keep reading this, I'm apt not to really like him that much. Not that they paint him as a bad person, but I think there's another side to Mike Krzyzewski that I probably would take a pass on. Let's just put it that way. But I can't take away his coaching skill. So my heart says... Carolina, the sentimental pick is certainly Duke because of Mike Krzyzewski. I'm going Duke, Kansas for that okay. uh, for I that mean, championship game. I don't so. think, Joe, you know what? I don't think there's a yeah. wrong answer here, to be honest with you. No, no, uh, absolutely not. I just think this this little storybook uh, mm-hmm. run here at the end for, for Coach K, I think goes one more. One more game, and then uh, kind of all just up in the air for that uh, for that championship. I don't know who you, it's choosing between rooting for Coach K and uh, Bill Self in a championship game isn't uh, isn't something I want to do. But we might be there next. I, I never root root for Bill Self, uh, so I, I'm gonna always root against them. By the way, we what about the Final Four for the women? Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to watch UConn, and, and Gino is still as good of a coach in the game of basketball, not just the women's game going double overtime last night was just an incredible game against North Carolina state. And, and they'll get a good one in the, in the final four. Uh, I'm, I'm anxious to see it. And if people haven't watched women's college basketball, it's never been better. Never been better. There's so many good teams and so many more good players and so many more good coaching uh, it, it's really been fun to watch. I'm anxious to see how things shake out for them. You see, and I, I think when you talk about the top 30 or so teams, I think that's that's fair to say. But when you're getting games in the tournament where a team has four points at halftime, that's I think there is a big drop off of talent in the uh, in the women's game. Um, well, compared to the men. I mean, yeah. there's more there's more men programs that are further along. Uh, as I said, the, it's gotten better. It's never yeah. been better. Uh, and yeah, you know what? You're gonna have you gonna have, somebody's gonna get their ass handed to them on one of these tournament games because they they're gonna be overmatched. And it's really no different than watching that first round, uh, the 16th seed playing somebody they got no business playing. Okay, so it, it happens. It just happens on a more broader scale on the women's side, but but both the 16 seeds or understaffed mm. as far as talent's concerned. 
I got you. This is uh, hey, this is lunch with Claves and Joe, powered by Amron, Illinois, driven by Munganas St. Louis Ack. You're also sponsored by the Home Loan Expert, the Gillespie team that we uh, that we met with just a few weeks ago. We are going to take our final break here um, as I sit at Munganas St. Louis Acura back in just a bit after this. The pandemic has been the ultimate game changer for many companies and Ameren, Illinois is no exception. President and Chairman Richard Mark tells us how they've worked with their customers who may have been harshly impacted by COVID. The pandemic has uh, really caused some un, you know, unprecedented changes and challenges for all industries. And you know, for us, we, since we provide that vital service, um, you know, we understand customers have to have it. And so with the pandemic, many people were out of work, didn't know when they were going back to work. So some of the things that we tried to do was say, you know, how do we how do we help those customers along? How do we provide some incent, some money to uh, make it available if they couldn't pay their bill? How did we how could we maybe um, suspend late fees and and late payments and and those types of things? So um, what we tried to do is work with our customers. We provided uh, last year over twenty six million dollars in billing assistance for customers to help and basically uh, the customer couldn't pay you know we didn't cut anyone off and and try to just understand what was going on in the communities and I think that's really the the real core and basis of what we try to do Back here for a minute on lunch with Claves and Joe Claves. I don't know if you knew this, but Cardinal baseball starts next uh, next week, April seventh. Really? Is uh, yeah, next next week uh, the home opener. Baseball really? back kick off the twenty twenty two season with tickets to the opening Holy weekend cow. at Bush Stadium. Hey, April 9th and April tenth giveaways include the Yachty and Wayno mystery jerseys and a collectible Mike Shannon bobblehead. Great seats remain. Get your tickets today at Cardinals.com. Look at slash promotions. Let me just say this. There are still great tickets available. Not as many, though, after yesterday. So for anybody (laughs) uh, watching the game yesterday and heard uh, heard Danny Mac mention the guy in the. Yeah. Say what? I'm sorry. You cut out there for a second. Oh, I was going to say Danny Mac was saying that he was talking to the uh, the head of ticketing, the head of the ticket sales for the Cardinals yesterday. And he said thousands and thousands of tickets were sold yesterday for the uh, for the entire season after the announcement of Albert uh, Albert coming back. So that is uh, those tickets again. Cardinals dot com slash promotions for those tickets. Hey, back here after 30 seconds. The Home Loan Expert just had an amazing contest out there against the corporate lenders, 93 to 19. Now, Coach, what are your thoughts? Today we put it all on the court. Great work, great loan options, all that hard work paid off for us. Darius, amazing performance. You were getting rates that nobody else could touch. How'd you do it? Honestly, it's, we're really coming together as a team, and our process is always streamlined. That's why we take 21 days to close. Coach, any final thoughts? Go with the lender who's outplaying the rest. Get started today at thehomeloanexpert.com. Back here on Lunch with Klaibs and Joe, powered by Amron, Illinois, driven by Munganas St. Louis Acura, and sponsored by the thehomeloanexpert.com. Uh, Klaibs, um, I, I did want to – so we already know the end of the season for the Cardinals this year. So we're going to be talking about their promotions all year long here on the on, on Klaibs Online. And we'll have a few more. <clears throat> 
We oh yesterday. yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I will they. I mean, we already know the last weekend of the season they're honoring Wainwright and Yachty. Do you think they are? Do you think they're in the works? Or there's are there talks to also honor the career of Albert this uh, this? I, I this would think there's too? been a discussion or two. Uh, I, you know, and it's a great thing to to have. From a marketing department standpoint, it's going to be a challenge because, you know, there are a lot of things you have to prepare for well in advance. And with the uh, shipping issues that take place in the world now, getting enough product is going to be a challenge. But if there's anybody that can get it done, it's Megan with the Cardinals. Uh, She does a phenomenal job as far as the promotions are concerned. So uh, I would just say stay tuned, folks. That, That promotion calendar is about to fill up a little bit more. Absolutely, and uh, we'll we'll have tickets for some of those games to give you uh, too here uh, through Claves Online. So uh, make sure that you're uh, you're subscribed to wherever uh, you get our stuff from, for wherever, uh, however we uh, we're gonna be giving those away all season long. We got a we got a lot of tickets to give away, Claves, and we'll be doing that all season. Hey, uh, Blues last night, they, uh, they got a win four to one over the Canucks at enterprise. Vladimir Tarasenko got his 500th career point last night in the, uh, in the game that, that blues, that blues team, it seems like they have been playing down to their competition. These, uh, these past few weeks, they've fallen out a third in their uh, division behind uh, three points behind Minnesota. What have you seen out of the blues here as of late? Well, inconsistency, obviously, is the first thing you see. Uh, I don't see commitment. Uh, this is a team that we like to use a term. They should play heavy, and they don't. They don't crash a net like they need to. Defensively, uh, there's just too many guys not getting back and being in position. The goaltending has been average. Uh, it's it's a team effort. I mean, there's not one person you can blame here on why they've been inconsistent, but you got to find a way to get their attention. Because, you know, you don't want to get the wrong draw early in the playoffs. So they've got some work to do. I'm not as overly concerned as I would be if this was like with a week or two to go in the season. You have time to fix this, but you can't keep saying we're going to fix it. You got to start fixing it. And I think with Vancouver on the schedule again, going out west, maybe that might be the right thing for them. Um but my, my concern was, and you touched on it, you know, they played down to the competition. And then they got exposed when a really good team in Carolina came in and the Blues got smothered. So they're having problems with the good and the bad right now. Only four wins in all, all of March. Uh, they still have the game, the one game left against Vancouver, but four and nine in the – they uh, not what they needed here Um coming out of that uh out of that extended winter break going into yeah. uh, the second half of the season. Yeah, they got some work to do. There's no doubt about that and and they've just got to get their best players to play better. I know we ha- there's a lot of discussion about the fourth line and combinations and this and that. This is beyond the fourth line, okay? There's some other guys who haven't been as consistent as they need to be. And they they got to be a little bit more physical. They they got to play the body a little bit more. And I'm not saying you've got to just run around knocking everybody down but you got to make a guy stop and start you got to make him get him out of his comfort zone and there's little things that this team has to do and if they do it they'll see how easier the game will come to them uh but they're not doing it now but they've got to find a way to start and you have to just have to win your shift don't worry about the game just win your shift 
and then get ready three minutes from now, four minutes from now, win the next one. And, and I think that's what you have to start. You have to start in small <clears throat> increments. I mentioned the uh, the Tarasenko getting his 500th career point. You you look back at where things were with him at the uh, the start of the season, as he requested a trade, they wouldn't do it. They, they I don't know if it was because they couldn't find anybody that that wanted to make that trade with him, given his injury history, or they just didn't want to part ways with a guy that was so talented. But a lot of credit goes to the the front office for not only sticking to their guns, but then Tarasenko too has not shown any you know, has not let that affect him at all this whole season about how he's played out there on the ice. He, he, you know, he's a member of the blues. He's gone out there and played all season for them without any issues. Yeah, he has, he's done a good job. Now I think the way both sides handle a a very touchy issue, uh, I tip my cap to both of them. They could have made an emotional decision here and it could have got ugly, but they didn't. And I think both have been rewarded with good play from Tarasenko and certainly the way the blues have handled it. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the offseason if he still wants to be traded. I think you can make a deal for a guy like that at the deadline. I mean, in the uh, in the offseason around the draft, because the Blues need to start thinking about what their future is going to look like. Uh, and Doug Armstrong, I think, said it best a couple of weeks ago. You know, you want me to make a blockbuster deal and then you'll beat the first ones to tell me we don't have any prospects. So they've got to figure out where they are prospect wise. But I also think they might be putting themselves in a position to do some off-season trading and some shopping for some players that are already established in the National Hockey League. Before we uh, before we get out of here, quick NBA talk. Last night, the uh, the Memphis <clears throat> Grizzlies blew out the uh, the Warriors, one twenty three to ninety five. Um, I know that you talked to your uh, your friend Rob Fisher quite a bit. Those Grizzlies, I think they have gone past the whole. You know, it's a cute story. Oh, they're they're ahead of the. You know, now they're going out there. They're blowing out a team like the the Warriors here as we're getting closer and closer to the end of the season. They have, I, I think, a legitimate shot at that uh, at, at being a championship contender right now. Um, I think they made huge strides. I felt that they needed to have somebody within that team that understood winning in postseason. Uh, they can they can surprise some people. I don't think there's any doubt. I wouldn't even say surprise because I think they've been so consistent all year that no one takes them for granted anymore. I don't know if the barometer of beating Golden State is one I would abide by because Golden State's a little chewed up. Um, they're trying to find their way as they get set for playoffs. They didn't have a, as many regulars on the floor as they would like to, uh, and their window's closing. So the difference, I think, is two years ago, they may not have been in that game with Golden State because they would have been our class. Now I, I, li- I love Memphis because they fear no one. They don't think – there anybody is a problem to them. You know, when you look at what the matchups could be down the road, you know, are they good enough to beat Denver or Phoenix or Utah or, or some of those teams? Um, obviously, Phoenix is still the cream of the crop in the league. Golden State's going to have something to say about this, too, in the Western Conference. So can they play with them? Yeah, I think they can. Now, can they do it for a seven-game series? That's where the experience comes into play, and that's something they don't have. Uh, the last time we uh, we brought this up, we were talking MVP for the uh, for the NBA. I was all in on DeMar DeRozan, but yeah. I, I think the more and more that the Grizzlies keep winning, uh, it, it it'll be it, it, you know John Moran has put himself into that top three. I just I mean, 
LeBron, I, the Lakers aren't good enough to give it to LeBron. It's Jokic's again. It's Joker's again because he doesn't have as much to work with as some of the other teams. He plays every night. He doesn't have these maintenance nights. Uh, he is just in. He's he's a he's a multi-tool player, and and his numbers are, are as good, if not better, than what they were last year when he won. So he's my candidate. I know there's a big East Coast sentiment for Embiid, and he's having a heck of a year. But Joel Embiid still has to take nights off. I'm yeah. looking for guys who play through it. Uh, Joel Embiid's had some options. You know, he's got the ring chaser playing with him now. So he's got some offensive options that take some of the heat off of him. Uh, Jokic, I'd be hard-pressed to find anybody, more than 10 people, that can tell you two other players that play on the Denver Nuggets and they say they follow the NBA. But they're getting it done. And, and you know, they say Porter Jr. might come back, and that's great. But I think Jokic is the uh, – is the uh, MVP. All right, Claves, before we get out of here, uh, I've been holding it off now for the last 50 minutes. Uh, need your, uh, need to hear your opinion on what <laughs> happened at the Oscars on a Sunday night between Chris Rock and Will Smith. Well, it has been discussed and I am on the, I'm of the feeling that I understood why Will Smith did what he did. Okay. Uh, Chris Rock crossed the line and I know comedians do that from time to time. But if there was ever a time to defend your wife and her honor, especially because of their condition, that was it. And I got news for you. Well, I know people are like, I don't condone violence. You know, I don't either. But, you know, every now and then you got to remind people that there's certain things you just can't do. Now, people say, well, there's a time and place for everything. Well, where was another time? There was a place. He was right there. So I didn't have a problem with it like some people did. Now, they both have apologized. They've moved on from it. Uh, but I respect Will Smith and what he did and why he did it. Uh, you know, but when we see that happen in other situations, you know, normally we're not in a position where we're that close to the situation. All right. You know, your wife may come home and tell you or somebody may it may be something where you it's not a hands on opportunity. Will Smith had a hands on opportunity and he decided to do something about it. So I don't have a problem with it. You can't laugh though, like he was, and then uh, then decide to get upset well, about it. Well, you know it. what? But and no, not- maybe maybe he might have been on delay and thought about it for a second. And said, "Wait a minute," you know, because a lot of times when you go to these events, you, you know, you have that group of people that follow comedians, and they laugh if the guy saying his ABCs. You know, they just think everything is going to be funny. So maybe he took it upon himself to try and play along until it registered on what the hell he just said. And then obviously he looked at his wife and saw that she was distressed by it as well. So I, I have a problem with it. And anybody who feels like there was some preconceived reasoning, uh, that's fine. Uh, he got his point across. And I think that's the most important part. You know, you don't do that. Sorry. Chris Rock took a punch from Muhammad Ali and stood there and uh, didn't, uh, didn't fall. Well, back. was it a punch? <clears throat> it was a slap. Yeah. yeah okay. Slapping. <laughs> And punching are two different things. If he'd have been punched, he might have just now been coming awake. All right. So again, but here's the other thing, and, and this is the thing that is a concern. Will Smith just made it open season on comedians who take who cross that line. And you know, while we saw it at the Oscars, who's to say that doesn't happen at a comedy club? Yeah. Who's to say that doesn't happen somewhere else 
where some guys had enough and he figures, you know what? I'm I'm two rows away from you and we're going to get this straightened out. So again, comedians have the right to to do their job, but I think they have to find a way to make sure they do it within good taste. You know, and, and the other, here's the other thing. It wasn't even funny. Most of the people there had no idea what he was talking about with G.I. Jane. I mean, that movie's what, 25 years and, old? Yeah, it's old, yeah. So it, it wasn't funny. Uh, I didn't appreciate it. And obviously Will Smith and his family didn't either. But again, they both realized maybe they could have handled it better. And when you acknowledge it, maybe you could have done things better, then that's a good start on repairing and moving forward and turning the page. I'd like to know the numbers because I, I saw yesterday uh, TickPick um, posted that they sold more tickets for Chris Rock's upcoming uh, tour yesterday than they had in the last month. So who sold more tickets yesterday, Chris Rock or the St. Louis Cardinals? That'd be Good a uh, question. That... <laughs> yeah, I know he's scheduled to come to St. Louis. I, you know, I'm not a Chris Rock fan, first of all. So he he, he wasn't going to see me whether he was – whether he got slapped or whether he was just being Chris Rock. I, I've been around him. I'll tell you a quick story. This is a few years ago. He and some other friends of mine, we were all together in a bar. And he thought he was being funny then. He was kind of taking some shots at people, thinking, you know, he could because I'm Chris Rock, I can, I can say this. Well, these guys are pretty funny themselves. You know, there's always a guy in a bar – or a barbershop that can one-up you, all right? Now the one-upping started to get more and more and more to the point where Chris Rock was an eyelash away from crying, okay? He got punked. So I've seen that before, but this time he got called on it and he had to pay a price for it, just like the night I was out with him and, and saw these guys just light his ass up. Well, uh, I don't know when he's coming to St. Louis, but you and I both have a friend that maybe could uh, set him up with throwing out the first pitch for a Cardinal game whenever it is. So we'll uh, we'll, we'll why, see. If why that... we need him to throw out first pitch? <laughs> Plenty Clay... of people can throw out first pitch before we get to him. Claims, uh, what do you got coming up on the show this week? Well, we're trying to get this baseball thing squared away. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to check out Kevin Weeks. I would strongly suggest you do that. Uh, we had a great visit. He kind of addressed some of the blues issues, especially the goaltending. And uh, we're going to work on a couple of other things leading into opening day next week and getting the baseball season started. We hope to make an, a major announcement. we got three things in the cooker right now. And if we can get two of these three, uh, we're going to be very, we're going to be very happy with what's going to be going on on clavesonline.com. Nice. I know I'll have uh, I'll have a chat with Polo up on the uh, up there this week, talking to him on Thursday. So that'll be a part of Weekend Joe on Friday this week, and then I'll uh, I'll do a WrestleMania preview for the website too. That always uh, it always gets clicks. I know you won't listen to it, but it'll get. Uh, it'll I'll be I'll be doing a ball game. I won't have <clears throat> yeah. a chance. I'm sorry. I mean, all right. That's, that's I'm fine. sure somebody I, be watching it for me, and that'll be. It, I, I just want them watching it. That should be that, fun. That, and that's now you say happen. who who's on the card who's on the card for this event uh polo uh no on the card stone cold steve austin that's is what going i thought you be, said uh, yeah, yeah uh saturday night he'll be part of the saturday uh event and then sunday it's roman reigns and brock lesnar 
So Brock Lesnar. Now I remember him from from a, being a blast from the past. Yeah. What so. are we? What is it? Is this Legends Weekend they got going on here? It's you know what they always got to bring in the big names to to draw the like Johnny Knoxville has a match. Uh, one of the Paul brothers has a match. You know they they bring in a celebrities to get the mainstream folks. That's to, fine. I get to it. Buy I, it. I think yeah. it's a, I think it's a good draw. I think it's a good yeah. attraction because Ronda the Rousey one thing has a match. Really? Yeah. I thought she had a kid. <clears throat> she did. Yeah, okay. Well, I guess yeah. you can do that. And she's, um, she's right back at it, yeah. You know, the, the thing about that industry, and we see it in the Ultimate Fighting Series and the MMA, you know, these guys have such a shel- short shelf life that it's hard for fans to identify with guys because they come and go. But the few that can survive and make a name for themselves mm-hmm. are always the sizzle to get people back in the door or get them to watch the event on TV. Uh, because those are going to be recognizable names no matter what. Now, they don't have to do, get in the ring, but just being around uh, is something that they've been able to lean on and it's worked for them. Yeah, it uh, it is. And it'll be a fun weekend I'll be of uh, for me this weekend while you're uh, while you're calling those Cardinal games. And then we'll uh, we'll reconvene next week for the uh, for the start of the uh, season. I want to thank the folks out here at Munganass St. Louis. Acura By the way, for, how's their uh, inventory? It, it looks good out here. There was one car on the lot, and I think it's that uh, that MRX over there, MDX over there, that I think Jamie was telling me I need to go over and look at uh, right over my shoulder. So I'm going to go check uh, take a look that at that. MDX before. is the bomb. That's a nice vehicle. Yeah, so I'm going to go take a look at that when uh, when I get off the air here with you and see what he's been uh, he's been telling me about. But check him out online. StLouisAcura.com is, uh, is the website, or come see him out here on Manchester. He is Mike Claiborne. I am Joe Roderick. This has been another episode of Lunch with Claibs and Joe, powered by Ameren, Illinois, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, and also sponsored by the HomeLoanExpert.com. We'll see you next week. St. Louis Acura is the only Acura dealer in the nation to win the Precision Team Award for 30 years. How do we do it? By making you, our customers, our number one priority. As others increase their fees and take advantage of limited inventory, we keep our prices low because we remain committed to becoming better than ever and treating you as we want to be treated. We want you coming back and sending your friends and family to a veteran-owned, family-based business you can trust. St. Louis Acura, better than ever for you.